Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 131 of the Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Butterfly, an interview with performing artist Christina Ricucci. My name is Richard Johansson. And I'm Matt Sabatello. Now, we named this episode The Butterfly because Christina was this nationally recognized dancer as a child. She was a child prodigy, and she was a nationally ranked and recognized dancer. But then she got sick from Lyme disease, and she thought, her talents were taken away from her. But as it turns out, what Lyme disease did to her is it revealed to her the breadth of her true talents. She's actually a performing artist and not just simply a dancer. And now she's using her talents as a professional actress and she released her first episode as a singer. So this woman had substantially more talent than just her dancing talents and that was revealed through her Lyme disease experience. So Rich, what really stood out for me about Christina Ricucci's Lyme journey is the fact that she had so many things in common with other guests that we've interviewed. Like she suffered from autoimmune conditions like Hashimoto's and even had hypothyroidism, but it still took her years to get a proper Lyme diagnosis. Not only that, once she got diagnosed, she was only treated with oral antibiotics, which from our experience in interviewing over a hundred podcast guests generally is not successful for late stage Lyme disease. So Matt, I'm really excited to introduce the multi-talented butterfly Christina Ricucci. Hello, the multi-talented Christina Ricucci, and welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me, and I'm excited. <laughs> We're really excited to have you, too. And so, Christina, where do you live? I live in Los Angeles, California. What a shock, <laughs> an actress, dancer, and singer what a shock. in Los Angeles, California. And, and where did you right. go? I grew up in Riverside, California, which is about an hour and a half uh, inland from, from L.A. So, But I, I kind of grew up, traveled all over the place into LA and San Diego, but definitely a SoCal kind of girl. All right. So, <laughs> so Christina, talk to us about when you first um, started to feel the symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease. Yeah. Okay. So um, I was 14 and I just remember uh, cause at this point I was um, pursuing a, a career in dance and I was dancing like 35 hours a week, constantly training, homeschooled, always in the studio, competing all over the country, um, training all over the country. It was very much like my whole life. And so um, when I started feeling these symptoms of uh, just like extreme fatigue, um, brain fog, uh, memory loss, um, just a lot of physical pain, a lot of joint pain, a lot of like muscle achiness. Um, I remember uh, it was hard for me to like walk walk up and down the stairs and just kind of like get out of bed sometimes. And I I kind of just thought that, oh, maybe this is just because I'm dancing so much. My body's kind of run down. I'm I'm a little tired. Like, it's nothing, you know, kind of just started off as that. And then um, all these symptoms starting to to get a little worse. And and I remember I, I remember I would have like really bad uh, days where I would feel a lot of pain in my stomach and then a lot of pain in my head. And I just feel like it would kind of rotate all throughout my body, um, like where I'm going to have the pain today. And um, yeah, and then eventually it just uh, just got kind of worse and worse till, um, I had to, till I had to stop. <laughs> yeah. So Christina, why don't you paint the picture for us about what you were pursuing at that time? I'm, I'm assuming, and I may be wrong, that because you are now um, acting professionally, that you were on this path, even during your childhood, to become uh, a performing artist. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's interesting because at the time, I, I always wanted to be able to pursue a career in the arts and in and, and, and every facet. I always wanted to act and, and sing and do everything and, and dance and choreograph all of it. But um, the way my life was kind of headed, it was just very much just dance. And um, so, yeah, so I was just constantly in the studio, just training as a dancer, um, had a plan to go to, to go to school for dance, wanted to get into a company and then hopefully like tour with that company or, you know, maybe do something like with Broadway. Just it's just very much like I was on the path to be a professional dancer and um yeah, so having all of these like physical limitations at the time, it was it was kind of um, it was very scary because it was my whole life and I my body was literally my instrument. So my, my body was kind of failing. It was like, all right, well, what, what am I going to do now if this doesn't if my body can't survive this? Like, uh, well, what, where am I going to kind of turn? So. So, yeah, I was definitely set up on the path to um, to be an artist for sure. But um yeah, and I, I feel very lucky to be able to still be in that in that world, you know, where I am now, but kind of in a different way. 
So, Christina, talk to us about the type of successes you were having up until that time when you started to show the <laughs> symptoms of your tick disease, because I understand that you were a competitive dancer and you were you were competing at some of the highest levels at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I it's, it's kind of weird for, for me to say this, but um, yeah, I was definitely uh, dancing at a pretty elite level. Um training all the time I would get accepted into these um I just had a lot of really great opportunities at a young age and so uh and I was very aware of that and it was always very surreal to me um I was competing at the since the age of four um nationally and 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 locally and I remember uh when I was 10 that's when I was pulled out of uh, my uh, public school because dance got very busy and I started competing in New York at um, these like international ballet competitions. And then um, I guess you could say like the peak of it was when I was 14, which was, which kind of um, uh, contributed to how, how big the, the fall from that was for me um, getting sick. Um, I had just won uh, this title called teen best dancer at this competition called the dance awards in New York, which is this, um, international competition held in New York, uh, a bunch of people from all over the place came and, and it was just in a, it's this very big dance event in the dance world. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I was, I was, um, uh, just, <laughs> I guess just kind of like winning a, a lot of, um, dance awards and just getting a lot of recognition for, for, um, my, myself as a dancer and, and, um, yeah, the, the Dance Awards was definitely probably one of the biggest moments in my life. And also those, uh, I also, when I was 11, I believe, I, I won this, uh, I won the official title was like the gold medal um, champion of the world ballet competition. It was <laughs> very intense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I have a few titles like that under my belt, I guess. <laughs> so Christina, um, you, you were also yeah. given an opportunity to train at, at places like Juilliard, correct? Yeah, yeah. I got to train um, at Juilliard for a few summers. Um, the first summer was when I was 14. I actually remember that's when I, that was actually the first moment I remember getting, I, I remember feeling these symptoms and noticing certain things about my myself and my body changing um, due to the contraction of the Lyme disease at the time. But of course I had no idea because I went two years undiagnosed. But um, yeah, I got to train at Juilliard. I got to um, train with a bunch of companies um, in their summer intensive programs that I would get accepted into. I got to train in the Netherlands, um, all over New York. I've spent a lot of time in New York dancing. Uh, I love it there. <laughs> and uh, of course in LA and everything. Um, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been very lucky to, to have a lot of really great opportunities in training. So let's now take a look at what was happening. So you're, you're a young woman or actually a young girl. Um, and you're yeah. having success <laughs> in dance competitions literally all over the world now. Uh, you're winning yeah. titles all over the country. You're training with some of the most elite um, dance companies in the world, including Juilliard in New York, but you start to show symptoms of what you now know to be your tick disease. So talk about how your symptoms yeah. began to develop and how it was interfering with all the successes that you had between the ages of 11 and 14. Yeah. So. Um... Uh, I remember it, it all kind of started when I was 14, right after I had, I literally won the dance awards. The next week I was at Juilliard for three weeks. And during those three weeks, I started to feel, I just started to feel in, increasingly just like exhausted and, and very, very fatigued. And again, I thought, I just attributed it to, okay, I'm dancing so much. I've been, I've been in New York for like a solid two months just by myself dancing and working. Like I'm probably just a little run down. <laughs> Um, but then like the, the pain and the, I, I definitely noticed it started in my knees, um, first. And again, being a dancer, you kind of just think, oh, this is just part of, part of the job, you know? Um, but it got worse and worse. And I remember, um, I started to feel very foggy in my brain. I started to feel very depressed. Um, I started to, I remember I, nothing changed about my diet, but I started to gain some weight and, um, just had like little to no energy. And, uh, I just kind of felt like I was running uphill with like an elephant on my back. That's just kind of how it felt. 
And um, yeah, it was just kind of uh, it gradually got worse and worse. So Christina, pain and what what did you know about ticks and tick diseases at that time in your life? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Um, being from California, I, I don't know. And the Lyme disease was never something that I was ever aware of. Um, but I remember I actually, where I was getting treated for my Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism, which would, was what I was diagnosed with at eight. Um, I was at this, uh, this medical center in Torrance, California, and they had people there being treated for Lyme. And that was the first introduction I had to Lyme disease. I had no idea what it was. I just, I was aware that a bunch of people were getting treated for it there and they would, they would have these, um, I would see them sitting all in this, uh, hooked up to IVs and everything. And I was like, wow, that looks pretty intense. <laughs> um, but I had abs- I virtually nothing. I had, I had, I had no idea about how, how a tick could, uh, tick-borne illnesses in general. Yeah. So now Christina, you are traveling not only, uh, in California, but you were traveling to many tick and yes. communities. You were traveling to New York. You were traveling to the Netherlands. Both both places um, have huge Lyme disease challenges. Were you aware that when you were traveling to places like New York, that Lyme disease was something you needed to protect yourself from? Not at all. Not at all. Um, and I remember when I did find out about it, they they said, oh yeah, just kind of stay away from those foresty areas. Make sure you have your your bug spray, your repellent and everything. But I never thought, I never, never thought like I, when I would go to these places for dance, you know, I would be in the city. I would be, you know, in these, in these places that you would not really expect. But, um, so it was never something that crossed my mind at all. Now, Christina, you've been able to accomplish a great deal. And we're going to talk more about this at the end of the podcast, uh, in the artistic community. But when did you begin to start to think that I have to pivot from my dance aspirations to other artistic aspirations was that happening then when you were 14 or or did that happen later I would say it started um when I was 15 because uh, I uh my birthday's in September so that's that later that that summer um once I after I had won the dance awards part of uh, winning that title was I had to travel with these um these two dance conventions and, and represent them as their team best dancer and so I would be working, like, I would get on a plane every Thursday, work Friday through Sunday, get on a plane back to, to California, start my training again at the beginning of the week, and then repeat again for just, like, months, months and months. And um, growing increasingly tired and, and, and just, just more and more pain and just feeling sicker and sicker and feeling um, like a part of my job was to be able to pick up choreography very quickly and demonstrate it to other people so they would watch me and, and I remember it was very hard for me to to remember things and to remember choreography and that was like my job and I remember just feeling very discouraged because I felt like I wasn't I wasn't doing my job and I couldn't and I had no idea why and um, I, I had always had a fascination with uh, with acting and music and everything ever since I was about eight I remember um, talking about that in school and with my family and how I always wanted to pursue that later in my life. And um, just, I remember once I started getting sicker and I had to kind of, I had to stop going to these uh, conventions every weekend because I wasn't feeling well at all. And I felt like I was just kind of pushing myself to, um, to, to be okay, but I, I really wasn't. And I definitely think at this point when I'm 15, it was in those moments that I was like, all right, maybe I can start to open up my mind. It really started out as like, okay, how can I, what, what, what's an artistic outlet that I can turn to in this moment where I'm not able to dance. And it just kind of became uh, writing, um, music, acting. I would study um, like Shakespeare and, and just in my downtime. And, and, and I almost felt like it was kind of a secret. I felt like I wasn't really allowed to, <laughs> to kind of be, uh, up front with that because I was such I was so known as just the dancer you know and I had all these other fascinations with just every you know just art in general so um, I think at about 15 that's kind of when I started to think all right maybe maybe this is like an opportunity for me to kind of uh, explore these other avenues of art. So Christina looking back now was there an event or can you recall a tick bite that possibly gave you these symptoms and started off your Lyme disease that made you feel sick at this point in your life when you were 15? Yes. Yes. So, um, 
uh, so when I was 14, I uh, went on a cruise because my sister works on the Disney Cruise Line. So my family and I went to go uh, see her. And this is where I think I might have gotten it um, because immediately after I got very, very sick and it was never really the same after that. Um, I was we were on this excursion and we were horseback riding in the jungle. And uh, I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing like these long black jeans and a tank top and it was very hot. And um, we had all put bug repellent on and uh, I didn't think to put it on my legs because I had jeans and I was like, nothing's going to bite through my jeans like that. That would be kind of crazy. Right. Um, so I just kind of put it on like all the areas where I had skin exposed and um, go on this excursion. I get back uh, the next day. I wake up, I go to the bathroom and I see on the backs of my legs, I have just like, like, I, I got to say like, like, uh, like probably like 200 bites on the backs of my legs and I thought you know they were they looked like they were mosquito bites and um, they all kind of started to like welt into one big rash and um, so it was hard at the time to identify if the tick was in there but um, later looking at like reviews of of the place that I went um, they uh, there were some complaints saying that people had tick bites they got tick bites from the horses and so um, so right after that uh, I got very sick. I had like flu-like symptoms, fever, and, and um, got very, very sick. And, and once we got back home after the cruise, my, uh, my, mom, my mom took me to the doctor and they gave me this steroid to kind of, I don't know, I guess just try to stop all the inflammation that was happening. But in, in the end, I think that was the thing that kind of triggered the Lyme disease, um, if that's even possible. <laughs> but um, that's the moment that I ever noticed any bites at all on me. Um, I never found any tick on me and I never thought to eat. I never, again, Lyme disease was never something I was aware of and my family was never aware of. So it was just, yeah, it was just like, yeah, very ominous. <laughs> so Christina, your, your doctor, when you went back home that your mother took, took you to, this doctor yeah. decided to just give you steroids to suppress your immune system and, and control the bites that you had on your leg but never mentioned yeah. Lyme disease or a tick bite and never mentioned that that could actually make you worse or hurt you if that were a tick bite in Lyme disease. No, nothing of that. Nothing like that at all, which is, which is wild thinking back to it. <laughs> and Christina, you mentioned that you feel that that was sort of the, the trigger or the turning point in your health. Do you mean that the yeah. steroids suppressed your immune system to really fight off or combat the bacteria from the tick bites, like the Lyme bacteria and as a result, the Lyme bacteria took over and you started to get sick because of the steroids and the tick, and the tick bites that you think you got on that, that cruise. Yes. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I remember, I just, I just remember my health declining pretty quickly right after all of that happened, right after the bite, right after I got home, right after they gave me the steroid. And um, yeah, it, it definitely was never the same after that. So talk to us more about how your symptoms developed. Yeah. So um, when I was 15, I remember about like halfway through the year, it started to get really, really bad. And it was really hard for me to like walk around. It was, it, it, I remember, I, uh, I remember the very last day I was in the studio before uh, I went to the hospital because I remember like, uh, I just, I had a lot of people around me that again, had no idea about Lyme disease and had no idea about like the severity of my situation. So I was definitely being pushed to keep dancing and, um, you know, because I was getting older, I was, you know, getting ready to audition for all these schools and, and audition for these companies. And like, there was no time for me to stop. And, um, I remember it got to the point where my hips, not only did my like knees and all my joints and everything, but my hips were so bad. It hurt so bad. But it was hard for me to like lift my leg to take a step and walk let alone like hold my leg in the air, like effortlessly. Like, <laughs> so I was just kind of like, all right, I am using every bit of strength that I have right now to get through this. And I was filming, um, I was actually filming a video audition for um, the Juilliard summer intensive um, the second year. And um, I had, I just had to film like two minutes of my solo piece in addition to uh, some ballet and um it was like, all right, you just got to get through this. You just got to get through just, just two minutes and then you can, then you can collapse, you can die, <laughs> you know? Um, but it was, it was, it was um, starting to, I remember the joint pain got so bad. It was like, it was hard for me to move my elbows and my, my knuckles and my toes and, and my hips were just, just really, really bad. And, um, 
and uh, the pain in my head, which I still feel every day to this day that um, I get, I get very bad, like migraines, I guess you could call them. It was just like, just all around, just a huge amount of pain, physical pain, and also just fatigue. It was just like very, very hard for me to get through two minutes of dancing, which is weird since I would be dancing like 15 hours a day at least. And um, so it was just like a huge change. And I knew that something was very, very off because this had that never happened to me before in my life. And it didn't, at this point, it didn't feel like I was just burnt out. It felt like something was wrong with me and I just didn't know what it was and nobody else around me knew what it was. So it was, uh, it was a very frustrating experience, but um, yeah. So Christina, what were your doctors saying? Cause now your symptoms are even worse. It was actually um, <laughs> the, the endocrinologist I was seeing at the time um, just kind of placed it on, oh, it's just you're going through puberty. You're going through these changes. It's just making the Hashimoto's kind of go all out of whack. That was the thing. I, they all thought it was, um, my doctor thought it was just my hypothyroidism, my Hashimoto's just like going haywire and just having this crazy effect on my body and my uh, energy levels and, and my ability to function and to do what I needed to do. They just, they really thought it was that and due to puberty. Um, Cause I, you know, I was kind of at that, that age. And I was like, this is so weird. This does not feel like pu- what I imagine puberty is like, <laughs> none of my other friends are going through this. Like, w- what do you mean? And so it was, um, yeah, they had, they had absolutely no idea to think that it was Lyme disease at all. So Christina, many people with Lyme end up with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. So do you think it's possible you had an Mm. earlier contact with a tick or Lyme disease and that the Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism were a result of early contact with Lyme? You know, I've never really thought about that. Um, I think, I think, yeah, it could be a possibility. I was, I was diagnosed with uh, Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism very young uh, at the age of eight. I remember, I remember going like, I just vaguely have uh, these memories of just constantly going to doctors like at like six, seven and like, you know, them not really knowing what was wrong with me. Cause I would have these, 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 um, these very intense, like, like mood episodes and, and, um, and uh, the descended thyroid and everything. And it's very possible that that could have, it could have been a tick, but uh, again, I had no idea of the disease at the time at all. And that certainly my family didn't as well. But um, I do remember, I do have to say, like, right after I got those bites when I was 14, I became sick like never before in my life. And from there, it was never really the same. So, um, I mean, I don't know. That could be a possibility, but I guess it's just kind of a kind of a mystery. <laughs> it also seems like, Christina, that certain attributes you had were causing your doctors to dismiss maybe the underlying root cause, which was Lyme at the time. That's correct. It took very long for anyone to ever think, all right, maybe we should be looking elsewhere for the problem, for what, you know, the root of the problem really is. For the longest time, it was like, it was a lot of, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And I don't know how to explain this to anyone. And everyone around me is just saying that it's puberty and that it's my Hashimoto's and that it's the fact that I'm dancing so much and I'm probably overworking myself and all of these things. And nothing, nothing was, nothing about it was, oh, maybe you actually have something else going on that's, that's causing all of these, uh, all this, the spiral of your health. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely, I think a lot of it was definitely placed on my pre-existing conditions and then just kind of my age probably for sure. Um, because I, you know, at the time I didn't, I, I remember going to these doctor's appointments being so scared. I felt like I didn't know what to say. I felt like I couldn't really speak up. Um, because I didn't want to be told that like, you know, I was just imagining it and, uh, you know, looking back now, I kind of, uh, knowing what I know now, obviously I know a lot more about Lyme disease now than I did back then, but yeah, I would have definitely not been as, as hesitant to, to really just kind of say everything that was going on with me. Um, but I remember it was, it the, the, the mentality was like, all right, let's just get this under control so we can go back to dance as soon as you can. So, Christina, it seemed like you had the odds against you, right? You Looking back, for somebody who's in a similar situation that you were in, what advice would you give them to shortcut their diagnosis so they don't have to wait as long as you did to get their Lyme diagnosis? Yeah, well, I would say I definitely, I definitely would not be afraid to just speak up and say everything that's going on um, because, unfortunately, a lot of, a, a huge part that, that you know, it's, 
goes hand in hand with Lyme disease is like, oh, it's, it's in your head. No one, no one really believes you. It's a very invalidating feeling. So um, don't be afraid to really just say everything that you're experiencing, all of your symptoms, everything that's going on. Because um, cause it can, it, for me, it felt, it felt almost embarrassing to like talk about all these different things. Because I, I felt like I was supposed to be this like, this very active athlete, this dancer. And so I, I felt like it was, it was like weird for me to talk about how I was struggling. Um, there, there, there's no shame behind it. I felt, I felt a lot of shame and there doesn't need to be any shame. Um, definitely talk to your doctors, be very honest, um, ask them a lot of questions, do as much research as you can, make sure you're going to the right doctors. Um, there's a lot of things that you can, um, can do to help yourself. So now at this point, uh, what time in, in your childhood did Lyme disease become a topic of discussion for a possible diagnosis? Yeah. So um, uh, I, I mentioned earlier that I, as I was getting treated for Hashimoto's, there were some patients being treated for Lyme there. And I remember, uh, <laughs> I remember um, my doctor was like, you know what, uh, after all of these tests, after like literally two years of going to see this, this woman, like weekly getting um, evaluated all the time, like uh, I'm trying to figure out what it is, what's going on why I'm getting sicker, what's going on, what's happening. Um, she was like, you know what, maybe we can throw a Lyme disease test in there because they did treat some people for Lyme at that particular um, uh, medical center. And I remember being kind of like, uh, okay, I don't really know what the point of this is. I don't, I don't know if, yeah, I remember being bit by some, some bugs. Maybe there was a tick in there, but I don't know if this is, this is my situation it just felt very like it didn't, it didn't feel like it related to me at all. But um, she was like, you know what? It couldn't hurt. So that's when I ended up getting that uh, a 16 week blood culture. Um, and I remember waiting for those 16 weeks <laughs> and I just kept getting sicker and sicker. And I remember at that point she had me go in and do, um, she had me do these like vitamin drips, these like Myers cocktail uh, vitamin drips just to kind of help, help my immune system out a little bit because, uh, before I was diagnosed, obviously she couldn't give me any treatment for that. So, um, so I remember just waiting and waiting and waiting and thinking, you know what? I remember throughout those 16 weeks thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I might, maybe this is something I might have because I, and I then became very, like, I started to become familiar with the disease. My mom who would go to all these doctor's appointments with me started to become familiar with the disease. So it was more so in our brain and the forefront of our mind. So, um, kind of, uh, just waiting around for that test kind of made me come to the conclusion, maybe this is something that I do have. <laughs> so Christina, talk to us more about this 16 week blood culture. We've, we've interviewed over 130 people with Lyme and we haven't heard anybody talk about a 16 week blood culture to get a Lyme diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot of like the medical details about it, but I, I know that it is just a, a, an accurate way to, kind of test the, the plasma, the, the plasma fraction of the blood. Um, and it's supposed to be like a, a, a more like intense, accurate way to kind of just really like look at, look, I guess, just look at your blood <laughs> and see um, which infections are in there. And it's, it's um, uh, the fact that it's cultured over a certain amount of time, like helps to identify the spirochetes. And um, I believe that's, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And um just to kind of give you, give a more um, accurate, like uh, just, just testing and, and diagnosis. So um, that, that was the, the option that my doctor gave me that she said, this was the best thing. This usually is the most accurate. Usually they find a lot more success in diagnosis because it is very hard to diagnose Lyme as you know. So, um, so my family, we were like, all right, yeah, let's, let's just go ahead and do this. It's, you know, 16 weeks. Let's just, just wait it out and, and see if this can give us any answers. Because at this point I was, I was kind of desperate. For, for some answer. And so we were just kind of willing to do anything. Now, Christina, do you recall if this 16 week blood culture was just looking for Lyme or if it was looking for other tick-borne diseases or co-infections as well? It was, um, I believe it was looking for other co-infections. Yeah, they, they did a, a full panel test. And um, when it came back, the um, Borrelia was very, it, it was, very, very prominent in my blood. And that's when they came to the conclusion that it was Lyme disease, in fact. And I also had a few other co-infections on top of that. 
So talk to us, Christina, what that was like for you. So now you've been sick for over two years and you've been told it's all just stuff that you've had your whole life. This is no big deal. And now two years later, when you're really, really sick, you realize there was something else going on. So at first, I I remember I, I got diagnosed like a few days before my 16th birthday. And on my birthday, I had to like go get a treatment. And I was like, this is super fun. <laughs> um, I don't think I understood the weight of the situation at the time because I, I was very naive and I believe my family was as well. Um, and I did not know that it was going to get a lot worse before it got better. So um, at first it was like, all right, you know what? Okay, another diagnosis. This is fine. Like, we'll just get this under control. I'll go do a few treatments and then I'll be back in the studio. Like, it'll be fine. I'll be back to normal. This is going to, this is going to help. Um, but I don't think I realized how hard it was to actually treat this disease until it got really, really bad. So I was very scared. (laughs) So Christina, talk to us more about the treatments that you were initially prescribed by your doctor once you got diagnosed with Lyme disease. Yeah. So, um, she, she gave me these oral antibiotics, um, that I would just take like twice a day. In addition to, I was, I was seeing like, I was seeing her and I was also seeing like a bunch of like holistic natural medicine doctors just Cause I did my, my mom and I, like, we did try to figure out a way to kind of treat me naturally homeopathically before I had to turn to like the really intense, you know, drugs. Um, but so, so in addition to that, I was taking a bunch of supplements. I was taking like 72 pills of these supplements a day. Um, in addition to the antibiotics, just to kind of help combat the, um, uh, the reaction to the medicine that I was having because it was very intense on my body. Obviously, you're killing off a blood infection, so it it is very intense on your body. Um, but uh, so I was doing that, and I was also doing these uh, vitamin drips. And uh, at one point, I was doing um, ox- blood oxygen ozone therapy. So they would take out. They started with like 200 cc's of blood. Uh, I, I remember I felt like a vampire or something. It was like. <laughs> again, just being like 15, 16, like so naive, like sitting in the, in this, this hospital, like they're taking out a big bag of my blood, doing this oxygen treatment and then putting it back into my body. Like it, I remember just like, wow, I'm getting the blood. I'm literally getting my blood drained out of my body right now. This is wild. <laughs> and, um, it was, uh, it was just very intense on my body. And at the time I was still, I, I was dancing up until the, the, the day that I was unable to walk. So it was, it was a lot going on and it was a lot of, okay, um, this is the time where you could get to feel really, really crappy and kind of <laughs> just deal with the, the, the reaction to the medicine. And then when we're driving to the studio, you know, you do everything you can to just get through this next hour. And um, it was just a lot of kind of being thrown around and um, just different treatments, um, a bunch of different treatments. I also did hyperbaric treatments once I was at the hospital in, in Las Vegas where I got the pick line and it was getting intravenous antibiotics and it was a bunch of different treatments for sure. So Christina, I just want to point out that you, you had such strength and, and this sort of treatment would have knocked anybody on their butt, but you were so strong that you continue to dance and move on with your life while getting this extreme aggressive treatment for Lyme disease. So I think you should, you should commend yourself for the strength that you've had (laughs) and the strength you still have to fight this horrible disease. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was, it was very difficult at the time for sure. And I do think, um, looking back, I do wish that, um, I would have listened to my body a little bit more and spoke up a little bit more when I, when things were just a little bit too much for me, cause it did get to the point where I, you know, I had, I had, I stopped dancing a little sooner. I think it would have, um, lessened the, the impact of how bad it got for me. But, um, you know, like I, I, I was very determined and, and um, I, have, I had this goal and I wasn't really going to I wasn't going to let anything stop me until I had absolutely no choice. And, uh, yes, yeah, kind of ended up what happening, but it was it was the best thing for me at the time. So let's talk a little bit more about your initial treatment. Yes, it was the, the oral antibiotics, the herbal supplements, the vitamin drips, and then it got then um, also at this same medical center. Um, that's when they did the blood oxygen uh, ozone therapy to the blood where they would take it out, clean it, put it back in. I was getting all of that. It was kind of like adding one different treatment onto the next 
week by week. <laughs> and which of these treatments do you think helped you the most in the early stages of your treatments? In the early stages? Um, to be honest with you, I don't really know that any, any of those treatments really helped me in the early stages. And I remember it being incredibly frustrating because I felt like I'm doing all of these things. Why am I getting worse? Why, why is this not getting better? Um, but I think also that was because I wasn't focusing a hundred percent of my time and energy to my health and getting better. It was split between that and also my responsibilities with dance and, um, school and everything, of course. But, um, I would say that at that, in that time in my life, the treatments that, that helped, um, I would say that the number one was probably the, the blood oxygen. Um, that was in my mind, the most helpful, but, um, later in my treatments, I think those, those later treatments I got once I, after I was 16, I think those ones definitely were the, were the ones that really kicked it into, to first gear. Like for me, I really just, really uh, had to focus in on just my health and my health only and get the best treatment that I could. And I think from there, that's, that's what I found a lot of um, healing. And when you say the blood oxygen therapy, that is, that's the ozone therapy you were referring to earlier that you got the IV. Ozone yeah. Therapy? Okay. Yeah. The ozone therapy. Yeah. And do you recall the types of antibiotics you were on? You mentioned it was more than just one antibiotic. I'm so bad with these, these names. <laughs> one of them was Recephrin. Um, the other one was, I cannot remember. I think it started with a C. Um, I was on several different ones, but I remember those two, uh, I was on for the longest. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and, what, and what was the trigger for you, you and your doctors to decide that you needed IV antibiotics? Was it when you said you could no longer walk and no longer dance? Was that the, the life trigger that caused your doctors to say, Hey, you need IV antibiotics at this point? Um, actually, uh, I was still dancing while I was getting the IV antibiotics. Um, I would go in like a few times a week. Um, and get these IV antibiotics in the morning. And then later in the day, I would go to the studio and, and train. But I think the thing that, yeah, once I, once I was unable to, to dance anymore, um, I found an infectious disease specialist in Vegas. Well, well, actually, a friend of my dad did, and they recommended it to my family. And my family did a lot of research um, for this, uh, at this particular medical center it, it, in Las Vegas, actually. So I actually lived in Vegas for about three months. Um, while I was getting treated out there. And I think from there, the thing that really helped me, because um, at this point I was unable to walk, I was in a wheelchair and, and like, I thought that my life was over because dance was my life. And um, I was just like, all right, let's just do everything we can to, to get me better so I can get back. And um, from there, I was getting, I was getting so many um, IV treatments. My veins were starting to collapse. So they were like, you know what, we're going to have to do a pick line for you because you need to get these intravenous antibiotics daily, twice a day. And I was like, really, really scared about that. And I, cause I feel like at that point, um, I really had to acknowledge the fact that I was sick and I felt like I was trying not to for the longest time. And I feel like getting the pick line was like, it really solidified that for me. Like, okay, this is, this is serious now. And I have to take this seriously. Um, but that, that treatment along with the, so once I got the pick line in that treatment, along with the hyperbaric treatments, I was getting those like twice a day, every day for months. Um, that, that definitely was, was the thing that, that, that really helped me. So, so these treatments were really ramped up or, or increased yeah. treatments that you were getting before it was more IV antibiotics. It was more ozone therapy. It was more herbal pills and it was more, of a, of a heavy treatment protocol, but I also think the yeah. fact that you were able to finally rest and listen to your body probably helped contribute exactly. to the fact that you started to get better as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. It was, um, yeah. Cause it was, it's just, it, it felt like it was this thing that was just being avoided at all costs, you know, because, because dance was such a huge part of, my, it was not even a part of my life. It was my whole life. And so, um, you know, the fact, it was just kind of like, I felt like myself and my mom and my family, like everybody was just, we were just kind of in denial for the longest time. But, but I think that was the thing that, that really cost me a lot. Um, had I just listened to my body from the beginning and, and sought out the best treatment options. But like I said, we, we had no idea of Lyme disease. We had virtually no idea about Lyme disease at the time. Um, but then my mom went heavy, heavy duty into the research. My, you know, she was a huge, huge, huge help. Um, in, in, in my recovery for sure. Cause she just did all the research she could and um, found this, um, this treatment center in Vegas. And um, yeah. And, and I think just that switch of, okay, uh, 
again, that moment I had in the studio uh, auditioning for making, making my tape for Juilliard, I literally went to do my routine, uh, stopped and then I had to do it again. And then my body like totally gave out on me. And I was like, I, I don't think I can, I don't think I can walk. <laughs> and I think from there, it just kind of all hit us like, all right, this is a little bit more serious than we, than we thought. And so, um, from there, yeah, we really went heavy into the treatment, which helped. So, Christina, it seems like we hear a lot from people with Lyme disease that, that Lyme really shatters their identity. And it seems like you, your yeah. identity or you believed your identity was that you were an athletic dancer who was really good, probably the best at what you were doing. And, and you think that that prevented you from really stepping back and removing yourself from that situation to heal. Absolutely. I definitely... I definitely agree with that for sure. I think it shattered what I thought was my identity, but then it uh, kind of led me to to really finding out like who I am as, as a human being, not just like who I am as as what I do as as dancer, as a performer. It just kind of like um, really connected me back with um, myself and like my purpose, and and you know, not to get all dramatic, but. <laughs> But it really did. Um, it really did give me so much clarity. Looking back on it now, like being 22 now, like looking back on that whole situation, I'm, I'm actually so incredibly grateful that it happened the way it did. Um, as hard as it was, it was, it was, it was, it was the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my life. But it was one of the best things in the end. It was one of the most rewarding things too, as well. And um, I, 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 I think that that's something that everybody with Lyme disease who who's able to kind of come out the other side can uh, find a similarity and like I think we all can relate to to that that journey um, as a whole. So I think Christina you just hit on another and there's just a ton of brilliant Lyme hacks so far in, in your interview but this <laughs> Lyme hack is to not hold on to your false identity which is your career or your hobby or your passions yeah. and to focus on your healing and who you are at your core and by doing that and holding on to these false identities can actually make you worse by not giving up and yeah. letting your body heal. Yeah, absolutely. I was so stubborn. <laughs> I was so stubborn. I was like, no, this is, this is, I, I, I cannot be a sick person. I can't, I, I can't not be a dancer, you know? And, um, I think it just kind of like knocked me on my butt, like very hard for me to realize that. And I'm very glad that it did because, you know, I realized that, you, you know, it was, it was very much a false identity. It was, it was, it was almost like not even an identity at all. It was so just, just wrapped up in this, this falsehood of, of like what I thought that I was supposed to be. And um, yeah, definitely. I think definitely just looking in the mirror and being like, all right, this is what it is. I have to deal with it. And I have to, I have to just listen to my body. And I've, I've, that whole experience has made me so much more in tune with my, with myself and my body and, mentally and physically, all of it, I feel so much more connected. And I feel, I know when, um, you know, when, when there's a flare up happening, I know what to do. I know like how to handle myself now. I know what, what I should, what, what is safe to push through and what is not safe to push through. Um, and what could, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely given me a lot. <laughs> So Christina, can you talk to us more about the hyperbaric oxygen therapy that you received? Because many people reach out to us and are interested in this treatment. Definitely. I'm not going to lie. I was very, I was very nervous <laughs> to do it for the first time um, because it is kind of intimidating looking at it. It is, it is a little scary, but, um, but I not only was, not only do I think this was like a huge factor to, to my healing for sure, the combination of the hyperbaric plus the intravenous antibiotics, those, those things, I think like really kicking it, kicking into that gear. I think that those things definitely definitely it was worth it it was worth kind of like dealing with it but I do have to say um I did so many of these hyperbaric treatments like honestly after like the first two I got very used to it it honestly became kind of like fun might I say it was <laughs> maybe not fun but um honestly it was just like all right mind over matter I have to just kind of um not freak myself out um, you know, if, if you are a claustrophobic person, maybe this is not the option for you, but, um, you know, if you can deal with it, then, you know, they just, they give you, uh, the place that I went to, they, they gave you like a movie option to play, or like you could watch a TV show. So I would just, I would just watch friends and I would sit in this hyperbaric treatment for, um, you know, the whole session and 
it was uh it became like you know you wear comfortable clothes they give you a pillow like it was honestly I got to the point where I was like all right this is not too bad <laughs> it wasn't too bad but um the first few were definitely a little bit um it was just jarring because it's like this is such a strange treatment but um it was very very helpful for me in the long run now talk to us more you mentioned you were you were in Vegas for a few months what was it like at the tail end of your trip there for this aggressive treatment yeah okay I yeah I remember um I started to slowly feel a little bit better day by day. I felt like I was, and I, I, I noticed that because I was slightly more active. Um, I was able to like walk around and my mom and I would walk around Vegas together and, you know, um, just like, just to kind of get my body moving and, and slowly and, and gradually. And, um, and then uh, there was this, there was this one week that was just like, probably one of, yeah, definitely. This was probably like the worst, sickest week I've ever had in my life. Um, they wanted to test my spinal fluid to see, um, for, I don't even really know. It was for some reason they wanted to test my spinal fluid to see if that was contributing to the fact that I was having like really, really bad pain in my head. Um, and so I went in to go get a, um, a, a blood patch. And so uh, something went wrong with the treatment. Um, my spinal fluid ended up like leaking to my brain, which put me in like, I, I can't even explain to you how bad the pain was. It was the worst pain I've ever been in my life. Um, I couldn't move an inch without like throwing up. Um, I had to have every room pitch black because any sign, like even the light on my phone was just like excruciating. I couldn't move. It was crazy. And I was like, all right, what's going on here? <laughs> and so then um, I had to go back to the hospital. They found out that it was leaking. And then uh, they gave me a blood patch. Um, I was back in the wheelchair for a little while. And I was like, well, this kind of sucks. I'm back to where I started. Um, but then literally like a week later, uh, they had me keep my, um, they had me keep my pick line in for a little while longer due to this, this hiccup that I had. And, um, but very soon after that treatment, like I remember I started to feel significantly better and I started to, I, I was able to walk. I was able to, you know, do more than, than I, than I had been doing in the last four months, you know, being in Vegas. And I remember I got my pick line out drove home. And then the next day I was in the studio, which probably wasn't the best thing, <laughs> but, um, I was just very eager to get back and I felt like I was okay enough to get back. So, um, it definitely got a lot worse before it got a lot better, but it did get better. And I'm very lucky for that. So Christina, it sounds like all of this aggressive treatment that you were doing finally was starting to work and get your body stronger. And although you had this hiccup or this, 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 mess up that you had with the, the spinal tap or the, the, the spinal fluid uh, test you did, yeah. that your body was actually better. And as a result, you got through it pretty quickly and recovered from that. And then were able to go home and go back to doing things you could never have done a few months before. That. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was like, what is happening? It was this crazy whirlwind of like, I was starting to feel better. And then I was like the worst I've ever felt in my life. And then like by a few weeks, I was like out and the pick line was out of my body. And it was like the weirdest thing, <laughs> the, the, just the, the transformation that happened. It was, it was, it was wild. And now this is, this is going back probably, I would say seven or eight years ago that you, you came back from Vegas, right? Um, I was 16. So yeah. So, so it was a little, a little while ago. To walk us through, what was your life like at that point? Did you go back to your normal life? I definitely did not go back to my normal life. My life was 100% changed in so many ways. My body was so much different, um, physically and mentally. Um, I was, it was weird. I was very, uh, I still have that competitive drive in me. <laughs> and so there was, there was that part of me that was like, all right, I have to do this. I have to, I have to, you know, get back to where I was. Like, people are going to expect this from me. I'm going to expect this from me, but also struggling with, wait, I don't want to push myself too, too hard. Cause I don't want to I don't want to have any relapse or I don't want to have any um, injuries or, or anything like that, or, or push myself past, you know, the, the limit that I was, you know, was set at. Um, but uh, 
yeah, it was very different. I slowly started getting back into dance. I um, was, I, I decided that I wanted to go back to public high school because I was, I'd been homeschooled since sixth grade and um, I got out of the hospital my junior year. And then um, that summer I was like, you know what? I think I want to go to public high school. I want to know what it's like to be a normal teenager <laughs> um, because everything about my life was so abnormal. And um, so, so many things changed. Um, I went to school. I started really getting into, um, it was, I'm not going to lie. It was definitely a fight for a while to, to get the people in my life to, to be okay with me, like not being just a dancer. Um, I really wanted to explore acting. I really wanted to explore music and singing and just every kind of performing. And I thought that this was a perfect opportunity for me to do that. And, and it, and it was, and it is. Um, so, so many things about my life have changed greatly. So this, this was a point you're 16 and you, took control of your life. Although you had all these influences telling yeah. you that you had to go back to dancing and that had to be your life. You were saying, no, I want to look into acting. I want to go to high school. I want to do, I want to do the things that I want to do. And I'm not going to let you tell me how to run my life. And I think that probably yeah. mindset helped you as well when you returned, it sounds like. hundred percent. Yeah. I just felt, um, yeah. So I remember when I turned 17, I got very, very into, um, very into just acting and exploring all these these other, uh, these other art forms. And, um, for a while, like I, like I said, I was definitely a little bit tentative to kind of express this to the people in my life. Um, just because like my whole life I was the dancer, you know? So it was like, how do I kind of transition out of that? How do I get people to see me as not just the dancer? And, um, because I didn't see myself as just the dancer. I saw myself as, as more of a, an artist in the sense of like, I like, I want to do everything. I like to do all of these things. Um, I feel like I'm good at all of these things. So I want to, I want to explore all of these other um, avenues and not just, not just one that I can, you know, that, cause I've already, um, not in a defeatist way, but I already felt like that part of my life was kind of over and I was excited about it. I was excited that I was able to, this was like the perfect in for me, you know, to kind of, explore all of these other things and to really just dive in head first. And, um, you know, it, it took some convincing, but I have a incredibly supportive family who is also very artistic and, and very interested in it. So, um, you know, they're, they're incredibly supportive of it, um, now for sure. So it was definitely taking control of my own, my own, um, destiny for sure. <laughs> So, so now when you were home from Vegas and you were making all these improvements, little by little, you're going to school, you were then going back to doing a little dancing, you were pursuing acting, and you're doing all these things that you felt you could do based on listening to your body. Were you taking any treatment still at that point to keep yourself healthy? Or was this all just a positive upwards trend from the, from the treatment you got in Vegas? Yeah, uh, I believe they had me um, back on oral, oral antibiotics. They, did, they had me do another round of oral antibiotics after I got my pick line out. Um, for a little while. And I was, of course, doing a bunch of vitamins, a bunch of probiotics, everything I could to like help restore my gut because the antibiotics, like, yeah, because I was on them for years. It totally destroyed a lot of things. Um, so I was definitely, um, and I still, I still take a lot of those supplements, of course, you know, <laughs> um, to help myself out in any way that I can. But um, so I was still getting somewhat of a treatment, but um, just to kind of keep everything and in, in, uh, keep everything balanced. So I think here's another great line hack that you sort of been alluding to throughout the entire interview is since the beginning, when you first started your treatment, you were not only taking antibiotics and it was a combination of oral back then, and then you proceeded to have IV antibiotics. You, you also did things like IV vitamins and herbs yeah. and probiotics because you recognize that antibiotics would also have a negative effect on your body. And you countered that with yeah. supplements and, and different types of therapies that could help you balance out the damage being done from the antibiotics while also getting the benefits of them as well. So I think many people yeah. like myself and others who we've interviewed didn't have the advantage to know to do that. And as a consequence, were, were not as successful in their treatment protocol because of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to give all the credit of that to my mom. Uh, she, <laughs> she did her research, that is for sure. She, um, uh, yeah, because I was in a place when this was all happening, like 
I was almost in a place of like, I don't even want to know what's going on with me. I just want to like get this over with so I can keep dancing. So my mom did like so much research. She did, she, she learned everything she possibly could about this disease and every way that it could help. Um, so uh, every, every, everything that I could do to help myself. So she, she, uh, you know, had me taking all these, these, uh, these probiotics, these supplements, these herbs, everything that, everything that I could do to restore what my body was being depleted of. And, um, just kind of replenish the things that I was losing. And, and um, I think that that was a huge, huge help for me. And I would definitely say to anybody dealing with Lyme disease, like make sure that you definitely are taking your, your vitamins and giving your body the, back the things that your treatment is, is, is killing off. I think that is he, very essential. So Christina, was there any point where you had a setback or a relapse? Yeah. So about last, uh, last November, actually, about a year ago, um, I started to have some symptoms again. I started to just have a lot of like physical pain. And I, and I know because I am am so connected with my body now, I know what's the difference between just like, Oh, I'm kind of having a, like a day of just feeling uh, crappy or, um, Oh, wait a minute. This seems like it, this feels like it's, it's a line thing. Um, I'm able to definitely differentiate those different um, symptoms. So I started to feel a lot of joint pain and a lot of fatigue. And for me, the biggest thing was just like brain fog and, and memory loss. Like I, I started like forgetting what I was talking about in the middle of my sentences. And I didn't used to do that. Um, I, 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 the last time that was happening to me was when I was first dealing with the, the initial, con- uh, when I first contracted the disease. And so I was like, this is, this is a little funky. Maybe I should. Um, maybe I should, as much as I am scared to, maybe I should get this checked. And, um, so, uh, they did find a few co-infections still in my blood. And so they put me on another round of treatment. Definitely not as intense as the first time around. I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I did another round and took a break for a little while and I'm going in for another round. Um, I believe next week. So, (laughs) so we're back at it again, (laughs) but it's much different now. So talk to us about the improvements you made. Yeah, I feel, I feel good. I feel, um, listen, I think anybody who is, who experiences disease, like you, you know what it's like when it's bad and, um, you know what that feels like. You never forget it. So I, I know I'm not that anymore and I'm very, very lucky to not be in the, in the, in the thick of it for sure. Um, Obviously, I do have complications. That's why I'm going back on. I'm doing another round. Um, but it's nothing that to me, it's nothing that's like impossible to deal with, you know, because like I feel like if I can if I can get through that first, those first few years were really, really hard. And if I can get through that, then this is this is nothing, you know, like I, I can handle this. And um, I feel like this <laughs> I feel like it's definitely given me a very high pain tolerance. Um but, uh, but yeah, I, I, for the most part, I feel, I feel good. I do have little things here and there, but I, but I feel, I feel, I feel okay. So Christina, I'd like to talk with you about the death of the dancer and the rebirth of the artist and what that yeah. process was like for you. Um, do you really believe that you, um, as you and Matt were talking about earlier, um, the dancer died or was this really just a process of you sort of discovering your superpowers? Oh, interesting. Um, I feel like it's maybe a little bit of both. Uh, there is a huge part of me that like looks back on that time of my life and it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a trip because at times it's like, I don't even really recognize who that person is. Um, and, and maybe it's because I wasn't really, even a person. I think I was just so wrapped up in the false identity of just being a dancer and thinking that that was, that was all that I was. And that was all that I had. Um, and I think in a way that kind of this whole thing had to happen for me, you know, that, that whole, I had to go through that whole experience, that whole process. Um, so I do think that there is a little bit of like the, the little bit of that element, like the dancer in me died for sure. But in order that needed to happen in order for me to find like, I think my true calling, which is everything that I'm doing now, which is a little bit of everything, you know, dance is still very much a part of my life. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's very much a part of my life still. It's just in a, so much of a different way 
and it's in it's in a beautiful way i i i it's so much more enjoyable for me now and um i think that's because i'm able to use all the other art forms and kind of like create this uh, kind of see how it how i can bring bring my my acting ability and my music musical ability into my dancer self and it's kind of how all of these can can play off of each other and i think that um that experience of, of losing the dance really, really did lead me to, to find the, well, the true, my, my true purpose for sure. So, because you know, I'm, I'm really wondering whether or not the dancer really did die or whether or not the dancer mm. and whether or not the dancer, dancer was a false identity or was it just sort of another presentation of the gifts that God had given you. And because mm. you were focusing on one element of those gifts, you didn't give yourself the opportunity until you had gone on this more challenging journey to see the, 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 the I guess the more vast gifts and, um, and the more vast superpowers that got yeah. you. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, this is crazy. I've never really thought about it in that way. Um, I mean, I can I can say looking at my life now and the way I approach my work now, um, dance has given me so. It it, it it has given me so many great tools um, to bring into these other art forms that I do. So I, I, I do bring that dancer mentality into a lot of the, the things that I do with acting now and the way I listen to music. It's def Yeah. So I think you might be right. I think you might be right with that. I don't think the dancer in me is deaf is dead at all. Actually, and this is this is crazy thinking about it um, because I do use a lot of those, those elements. I definitely, kind of um like like I said with that just that 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 crazy drive and that 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 um motivation that I that every dancer you know at at the uh the caliber that I was at has you know like we all have that really intense um drive and I feel like I bring that into a lot of uh the acting and everything so so yeah so I, I definitely think that it kind of opened up it, that that definitely is is, is is a huge part of me and i don't i don't think it's completely um abolished at all all right so really what it was is you were just a young child and you were just sort of scraping you know the surface of this vast talent that you had and the beauty of this really difficult experience that you went through with lyme disease is that it forced you to be more than just aware of the surface level of your talents. You were able to get deeper at a very young age into the, yeah. uh, the vast talents that you've been given by, uh, by your creator. Wow. Yeah. I think, I think that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think you may be right. <laughs> so let's talk about your larger calling now that you're more aware at a very young age of these <laughs> powerful talents and these super uh, superpowers that you have, that you also now have a calling to help other people in the position that you found yourself in, right? You're, you're, you have yeah. a platform as an artist and you have a platform as a young person who has a beautiful um, uh, social media presence. Uh, talk about what called you to now become a Lyme activist and do things like participate in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy is um, how not talked about this disease is, and how like it's so misconstrued. And and I I remember like when I first when I first was diagnosed, everybody around me was like, "What's that?" You know. And so I think like a huge part of of my goal is is I just and and the thing is, it can feel very isolating. And I, I don't want anybody to ever feel that because it's really hard to go through any any health complication. And also on top of that, the fact that, you know, maybe people aren't believing you or people don't even really know what it is or they're comparing it to other diseases that they think, you know, maybe worse or easier or whatever. It's um, it can feel very isolating. And so I, I, I'd like to try to use my voice that I have to, you know, make people not feel so alone in that journey because it is, it is a hard journey. It's a hard thing to go through. And, um, I get messages all the time. Like every, every week I get messages from people and it blows my mind. <laughs> um, I'm like, 
first of all, how did you find me? Like, this is so crazy. Just connecting with people on their stories and, and just getting to know a little bit about it and sharing treatment options. People ask me what I do and, you know, I ask them what they do. And it's, it's really, it's really an interesting community to be a part of. And um, I definitely want to be able to use my voice to, to shed light on it and to, to let people know that it's not something you have to experience alone. Well, I'm also really excited to watch you moving forward because you are so vastly talented and you're such a beautiful artist. And I can't wait to see how you're going to merge these superpowers that you're now becoming more aware of and you have a better understanding of and how that's going to be used as a tool to not just create awareness and not just to create community, but to also teach people so that they can avoid the suffering that you had suffered. So I think you're going to be a really powerful model moving forward. And I think we're really blessed to have caught you at this early stage in your development (laughs) because I think we're going to be able to see this really powerful arc develop. And I can't really wait to see how your beautiful talents are going to be merged with this journey that you're on with Lyme disease. And when you get to the other side and you achieve what you're going to achieve um, in uh, in your physical development, but that's also going to mean in your spiritual development. So this is just a really exciting time for us to uh, have this conversation with you. And I look forward to talking with you in the future. So let's talk Thank about- Thank you so much. <laughs> let's talk about one more thing. Uh, and that is, okay. if God forbid your mother, who is just such a wonderful and powerful um, you know, element of your journey, came into your room right after you finished this podcast and she had a tick biting her on her arm. What would you recommend that she do so that she wouldn't have to go on the terrible elements of the, of the medical journey that you've been on? Yeah, I would say, um, first of all, let's get it out. <laughs> let's get it off of your body. Um, save the tick. Um, I, I wouldn't, I, I would say it wouldn't hurt to go get it tested to see if it carries the carries uh, Lyme disease. Um, and definitely like go to your doctor, go to an infectious disease specialist, call, call somebody, um, get as much information as you can try to get seen, try to get, um, tested, see if you have the, the bullseye rash for sure. But also, you know, like for me, it, it was, it wasn't identifiable on my body. So, so it's really not like a, there's, there isn't really one protocol that, 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 that needs to be, um, uh, implemented. I feel like, um, if I were to, if, if she were to come in and, and, and have this, a pressure with this problem, I would say, let's go to the doctor. Let's go get this figured out. Just make sure everything is under control as soon as possible before it can start to, to develop in your body and grow. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with our guest, Christina Ricucci. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you'd like to learn more about Christina Ricucci and her tick disease journey, please visit our Instagram page at Christina Ricucci. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick by Blueprint that has been inspired by the information that has been provided by past podcast guests. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please know we appreciate any input or improvements you would like to share with us. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify to get your automatic episode updates of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, please take a minute to leave us an honest review and rating on iTunes or on our website. Thank you, as always, for listening.